everyone, you're listening to Operation Dichotomy. I'm Paul, I'm your host, and we are the bridge between perception and reality. Our goal here is and always will be fairly simple, even though it's not easy. Uh, we want people to listen and understand each other, period. But especially when it's hard to hear, we know that there's a lot of different people in this world. And sometimes when you disagree, we don't want to hear them. But if we can't make that step to listen to the other's perspective, especially when it's different from yours, the world that we create is going to be very uncomfortable and we don't want to live in that world. So if that sounds like something that you want to affect positively, then go ahead and connect with us at operationdichotomy.com or you can follow us at Operation Dichotomy on Instagram, which is where we post most of our content and you'll see the most up-to-date information about what's going on. So be sure to connect with us. And last but not least, if you have found any value in these podcasts or our content, please share. If you have been affected by it, imagine the impact that you could have on people around you by sharing our amazing content as well. That being said, if you are here today, you will know that this is our second week of podcast based on this idea of if not us, then who? Last week, we had a friend of mine, JD Kim, who is also here with us today, but don't talk yet because I haven't officially introduced you. Um, he's going to be sharing his thoughts on that as well. But again, the whole point, and I think you'll see that through today's podcast, is we see the problems around us, right? I think it's, it's not rocket science for us to be able to look around and see that different problems exist in society, but it takes an extra step of work to actually address those issues. And what I'm seeing, and I think what JD has seen, and probably what you all have seen as well, is that not enough people are taking the initiative necessary to solve the problems that they see, and therefore our society does not move forward in the positive way that we want it to. And so hopefully to talk about how we can do that, we have invited a friend of mine as our second guest today. Uh, his name is Raymond John. He is out of... Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, man, we go way back, over a decade now, which is, <laughs> which is scary. Longer than that. <laughs> yeah, over a decade. I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to count that high. Um, but the most important thing that we want to cover about him today is that he's a CEO of an organization called 12 Plus. I'm not going to give you any details on that because I want you to hear from Raymond's mouth. But Raymond, thank you so much for your time, man. I know it's a busy season. I know you're a busy guy, but thanks for being with us to share your story. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. It's, uh, it's great to just reconnect. I'm really just excited to be able to talk a little bit more about our organization, get to talk with both you and JD, and, and also just maybe just learn a little bit about what you guys are doing and, and share a little bit about what we're, what we're doing here in Philadelphia. But um, yeah, just to reintroduce myself again, I'm Raymond John, I'm the CEO and co-founder of 12 Plus. We're, we're an education nonprofit based out of Philadelphia. We, our mission is to partner with high schools and underserved communities to build school cultures that inspire academic achievement and empower students to pursue education beyond 12th grade. And so some of the ways that we do that is we partner with high schools across Philly to build what we call Plus Centers. And Plus Centers are kind of like hybrids between computer labs, libraries, and college and career resource centers. They're these kind of beautifully designed spaces that serve as multi-purpose rooms for the schools that we are within. And um, we staff them with our team of fellows who are there every day, Monday through Friday, from the beginning of the school day to hours after it ends, to serve the individualized post-secondary, academic, and social support needs 
of the entire student body of every school that we partner with. And so our goal really is to make sure that students not only graduate um, on time by 12th grade, but they have a plan ready for them by the time that they graduate. And that can be college, but it can also be a vocational pathway. It can be a quality um, employment opportunity. We just want to make sure that every student has a plan by the time that they graduate. And we want to support them every step of the way. Awesome, man. I have a question to that, but first let me welcome JD because I forgot about you. <laughs> JD, it's all welcome good. back, man. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Uh, Raymond, so 12 Plus is, is focused a lot on, I mean, initially I wanted to say secondary education, but it seems like it's more than that. You're helping students transition from high school into college, into employment. Um, but what is, what is the problem that you saw that, I guess that fueled your drive to create the solution. Like what's it like in Philadelphia right now? Uh, well, you know, it's easy to kind of turn out the statistics, right? In Philadelphia, only one in 10 Philadelphia high school students actually go on to earn a college degree. And that obviously is something that is, um, you know, really, really tragic and something that needs to be addressed. Um, but I think uh, what I saw was started all the way from when I was um, a college student here in Philadelphia. I was had the opportunity to volunteer with a bunch of different community organizations in West Philadelphia where my college was located. And I got to mentor and work with a lot of young people in that area and, and learn of their stories and listen to um, the things that they were going through. And you know, I quickly realized just how radically different their public school experience was from my own. And it wasn't because they didn't have aspirations or they didn't have the potential or the desire to go and do something great with their lives. Obviously that existed, but um, the resources and the everyday support was not there. And then even further, just the the narrative and the, I guess, the expectations that were just built in within their school environments were um, made it really challenging for students to be successful beyond 12th grade. And so um, for me, that was the thing that I, I knew that I wanted to address. And that was something that really stuck with me. I, you know, to kind of go a little bit of back to my own background. Uh, and Paul, I know that you grew up in Northern Virginia, but um, in the same kind of neighborhood as I did, but I was, you know, similar to you, the son of two Korean immigrants, right? And I was a first generation college student. My parents worked at the post office. They, and they worked long hours, you know, every single day to make sure that they could save up just enough money to buy this little house in this little neighborhood, um, just close enough to an amazing public school, right? In Virginia, it's well thought, it's thought that, you know, because it's such a, it's known to be this kind of affluent community that everyone is, is living well. But the truth was, is that I, I grew up in a relatively low scale, um, pretty, uh, I would say lower middle class area. And the thing that made the difference for me, however, was not the resources that I had or the, you know, the opportunities that my parents were able to provide me financially. It was the fact that I just, they were able to make sure that I lived in a neighborhood close enough to an amazing public school. And that opened all the doors of opportunities for me. I went to a school where 100% of the students went on to some form of college. And that was the expectation right from the very beginning. And, and because I had access to that, right, because I had you know, that expectation and that culture built within my educational pathway from a very young age, um, I was able to really take advantage of those opportunities and go on and, and get a great education and go on and, and have um, these opportunities just made available for me. And so 
that is just not the reality here in Philadelphia, right? Like if you want to go to a great school here in Philly, you got to either test into it, you got to win some sort of lottery, or you got to be really rich, right? Those are really the only three ways. And the fact of the matter is that um, neighborhood schools here in Philly are chronically under-resourced and underfunded. They do not have even close to the same level of um, resources and support that you would find in a suburb just 25 miles away or even less, right? And that was something that really kind of stuck with me, right? This just, uh, I guess, juxtaposition between my own personal experience growing up in a public school environment versus the one that our students were growing up in. And that was something that I knew that I, I, I wanted to address. And I, I didn't go down that path initially. You know, I was, I was pre-med in college, but then somehow I, I eventually found my way back to the education space. And in that first year, while I was really just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I was able to start this kind of volunteer-based effort where we work with a few seniors after school helping them get into college. This is just something that I was personally familiar with. This was something that I knew I wanted to do to really kind of help um, like assist the students in these communities. And we had a lot of success in that first year. You know, we helped all of those. It was only 11 students and we helped all 11 students go on to some form of college. But, <clears throat> and that, that was great, you know, and we were really excited about those results. But then we, we took a long look and we, we realized that even the students that we were working with, they were um, either high, the highest achieving or self-selected and may have, you know, probably would have been fine even without our help in some ways, one way or another. And that's not to discount that we were, you know, able to provide them resources and help them on their paths. But um, I remember though, I, I would take a long look at the school as a whole. And um, in that school and in that first year, only 11% or sorry, 13% of their graduating class was accepted into any form of college, right? And so essentially those 11 students uh, were, were that 13%, right? And, and I thought to myself, like, what happens to all the other students? What, what happens to all the other seniors that weren't able to get any support, you know, uh, up until their senior year? What happens to um, the students that you know, once they graduate, don't have some sort of dedicated plan ready for them after 12th grade. And, and I knew that that was an area that I wanted to personally address. And so we somehow convinced the principal of that school who had a lot of faith in us and placed a lot of trust in who we are to go into the school, take over a space and build, you know, what we call today our first plus center. And our mission in that first year was to work with every single senior, not just a select few. It wasn't our, our, our mission and our goal was to ensure that we gave equal attention to every individual within that school. And again, not just the highest achieving or the select few. And, and that's what we did. We, every single day we showed up in that room and in that space and we built it out to be this room that welcomes all the students within that school. And we made it our intention and we made it our message that we are here to ensure that every one of you is supported on your path to graduation and is given equal chance to have a successful path after you graduate as well. And in that first year, we increased that acceptance rate from 13% to 72%. Right? And we just had this dramatic kind of shift in, in just, uh, just the overall culture in the school and in, in, in just the, there was all this momentum that we had built in that first year. And we continued to really invest more heavily into that. 
okay, we, we thought, let's not just work with the seniors, let's start as early as their freshman years. From the moment that they step foot into their school, um, from the day that they walk that podium with their diploma, let's make sure that every student is supported and that they too understand that um, we believe in the potential and in the success of every student that attends this place. And by, that, by doing that, you can create this culture that is contagious and pervasive and builds upon itself year after year. There's something really powerful about attending a school where at one point, there was only you know, one out of 10 high school students actually go on to college or some sort of post-secondary path. And then suddenly it's seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 and nine out of 10, right? That, that is an exciting thing to build upon. That's, and when that success is happening within the walls of the school instead of outside of it, and it's celebrated every day and it is recognized regularly so that other students within the school can witness that, then you can, you can really create some really powerful things through that. And, and that's what we've been doing ever since. You know, we've been really kind of building and evolving as an organization to, to think more holistically about how we support our students to continue to um, be uh, more intentional about the paths that we want to direct them to and, and, and provide support towards and also be able to support them even beyond you know, their, their time in high school, into college, and, and even further into their employment stage. And, and that has also been a really important thing for us as well. And as we enter into this new year, I think um, our, our focus is not just to support what's happening internally within the walls of the school, but outside of it as well, right? A school is such an important part within a community. And if you can help a school get to where it needs to be, then the community around it is also going to grow and develop and, and take steps forward in really exciting ways. What's more important to a community than a school? It's, in, it's the anchor within that neighborhood. And I wanna make sure that every neighborhood um, in Philadelphia has an awesome public school for which um, the students and the young people that live within that neighborhood are, have access to a great education right within their doorstep. And I think that that is an important part of just building our education system here in Philadelphia is to, to build communities along with it. Um, and that, that's not, obviously that's not done by our effort alone. And, and even the success in that school was certainly not something that our organization can claim um, ourselves. It was done collectively, right? It was done through the the years of investment and efforts of the teachers and the principals, the administrators, the counselors, um, the parents, the community organizations around that area that believe in the potential and the future of, of the young people that attend every school. That this, we are not, we are just a piece of that success. And we are so privileged and, and honored to, to really be a part of that. But I do believe though that when you can create a really empowering culture where every student is included, where the message is that you, no matter what, we're going to make sure that we're going to support you every step of the way. And, and whether that be a four-year college or to go get a great job after high school or maybe start at a community or a trade school, we just want to make sure that we find a path that makes the most sense for you and that mm -hmm. that path matters and that path has value. Um, and, and that's what we've been working on ever since. Oh man, that's a lot. You've been, <laughs> you've been doing a lot. Um, let me, let me back up a little bit. What, what year was it when you started that first volunteer with 11 students? Yeah, that was a, so that was in the 2010 actually. Right? And, and again, when I had just moved back from 
New York to Philadelphia um, to, again, kind of forego this, this pre-med path that I had thought that I was going to pursue. And I knew that I wanted to get into the education space and I knew I didn't want to waste any time in doing so. And so um, in the meantime, I was like, whether I become a teacher or go to grad school, work for another nonprofit, I'm going to do something where I can learn and I can help my community. And, and that's how that got started. What, sorry, um, there's, you kind of touched upon the problems that you saw during your volunteer period and you saw Mm -hmm. all these issues with the education system and how it was inaccessible to so many people. And my guess is that that's part of what shifted your journey from medicine into, into education. But is there, is there a singular event or like, because the way I see it from the outside perspective is that this shift is, is insane. It's such a huge turn of events where even starting with the fact that you were the first son going to college of two immigrant Korean parents, you're on the pre-med track, you are the dream child that you know, <laughs> our parents have raised. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know what, this is not what I'm going to do. This is not where I'm meant to be. I want to do something else. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's a drastic thing that may or may not have shifted your path. Um, what, if you were to say and describe that transitional moment, like what was it that pushed you to, to see this problem, take it yeah. as your own and be like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if I could pinpoint it to one exact thing. I think it was um, a series of different events that just kind of added on to themselves as the years went on. Right. Like I, I did, I did go to college thinking that I was going to become a doctor. And that was, much of that was um, influenced by my culture and and just my upbringing as a Korean American going to, you know, a really quality educational institution. Um, The expectation was that I either pursue becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or go into finance, right? And I chose being a doctor because that's where I thought that I could help the most people, you know, in my really kind of idealistic and naive way of thinking, I thought, you know, if I got to be one of these three things, I, being a doctor sounds like that's where I can help the most people because that was what in my entire life gave me most kind of value, made me feel most activated. And so I pursued that path starting my freshman year in college. And I quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do. I mean, just from the very first class, I knew that this was not something that was inspiring to me or aligned with my own personal interests. It just wasn't a good fit. And, and I have deep and profound respect for people in medicine, but uh, it, was, it just wasn't for me. And I, but I stuck with it. And when you're told your whole life that you're supposed to be this one thing, right? mm-hmm. you're supposed to go and be a doctor and, and you know, build a life following that path, it's really scary to, to kind of abandon that path. Right? And I had my community in Virginia, my parents, my, my, my relatives, my larger network as a whole, that all kind of had this expectation that I was going to be a doctor. And um, that placed a lot of pressure on me to follow that, even though I knew deep within me, there was all these other things that were calling me, including during that time um, my, when I was volunteering and supporting these community organizations out in West Philadelphia and, and mentoring um, a variety of different high school students while I was in college. And so the year after I graduated, I convinced myself and my parents to let me take a year off before I applied to med school. So I, I spent that year 
um, really trying to do something that was uniquely different from what I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And so I, I moved to New York, which is a pretty cliche thing to do, but I ended up uh, working for a nonprofit out there. And that was the first time I've ever been exposed to like fully immersed or exposed to that nonprofit world. And that nonprofit was dedicated to ending homelessness in the city. It's this like big ambitious scope and, and, and mission obviously. And, and that really opened my eyes to just the possibilities of, of what kind of life I could pursue, pursue and, and how I can make an impact in communities. It was the first time where I recognized um, just how powerful it was to, to work for a nonprofit, if run by the right people and working alongside the right individuals as well, who are passionate about that mission and passionate about supporting different causes because nonprofits have this uh, ability to be nimble and flexible in a variety of different spaces. They are not as beholden. And I've, I've learned the hard way that that's not always the case, but at least at the time they're, they're, they're not as beholden to a lot of the kind of bureaucratic red tape that you'll find in, in local government, for example. And hmm. I just, saw that as this very transformative thing and doing that work was the first time in all my years of college and beyond that I felt truly activated. And, and I knew though also from that experience that um, poverty was this deeply rooted and insidious thing that just cripples communities and individuals lives. And, and that was what I wanted to address. I wanted to address um, this cycle of poverty that people communities were entering into and I thought back to my time in Philly and in college um, how can we address that and for me education even to this day is still the strongest weapon to combat that and so I took some time to th think to myself and realize what would make me really happy would it be to go and pursue this kind of medical path that I had not even chosen for myself and I never really felt passionate about or to maybe pursue something else for which I truly felt alive and truly felt activated and that my skills were going to be best utilized. And so, you know, I took that leap of faith and I decided after that year of working for that nonprofit that I would not pursue medical school <laughs> and that I would come back to Philly and enter into the education space. But truth be told, I did not know that that meant starting a nonprofit. I did not know that that meant, um, that it would be what 12 plus is today. I really just knew that I wanted to be in education and I wanted to um, support, you know, the, I guess the, 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 the battle against poverty <laughs> using education as our tool and, and as a means to do that. And so I moved back to Philly and I didn't want to waste any time in, in kind of figuring it out. So there was this opportunity to, um, help some high school students in a school out in Kensington in North Philadelphia. And I jumped at it, right? And, and myself and um, my co-founder and a few other really amazing people, we, we just decided to start this volunteer-based effort where we can make a difference in this school. And we thought, again, back to our time in, in college when a lot of the students had difficulty finding mentors or resources or individualized support to help them on their path to college. And I thought, that's something that I'm pretty good at, right? That's something that I've always been re relatively 
that's come a little bit more easily to me. Here's an area where I can help. And I can bring my friends and my, my community here to also do the same thing. And, and that's what we did. And, and again, in that first year, we had that success. But it, to me, it wasn't enough. Like I wasn't satisfied with just helping those 11 high schools, 11 seniors within that school. I wanted to create change that was more sustainable. I thought, um, while it's great that there are these 11 seniors that are getting support and, and finding the help that they need to you know, move on to the next stage of their lives, if we're only working with 10 students at a time, right? Or if we're you know, cherry picking from one school or another school or another school in Philly and they're all the highest achieving students, while again, really important work and, and I don't mean to disrespect the people who choose to follow that path because it's, it's still really critically important to do that in a focused way. Um, I also couldn't help escape the fact that, that these schools are, are, are going to continue to have some difficulty in, in moving and taking steps forward. Right? And that the change that I was producing by just working with a few students at a time, um, while again, meaningful, would not necessarily convert into long-term impact, right? And so I knew that the only way to do that was to work within the school as a whole, to, to be in it with them, to, to not just show up once a week uh, on an after-school basis and, um, or only you know, support in this kind of limited way. We needed to be within the school walls and to walk the same halls and, and go through the same struggles and and highs and lows that teachers and administrators go through and, and support them in, in, in every step of that way. And, and I, I, I leaned on this idea of the power of culture, right? And just how pervasive and effective that can have on any community. And I wanted to use the pursuit of higher education or you know, post-secondary education as a whole as a vehicle to build that culture within the school. Um, and then, you know, the rest is kind of what I described earlier. We just continue to build upon itself year after year. But I know that you're looking for that one kind of aha moment, but it was, it was really just a series of different things throughout my life that really led me down this path. And every year I get more excited about what we can do and the possibilities of what 12 plus can do within our schools and how we can support, um, you know, the community within them. Raymond, um, some of the things that I really appreciate about what you've shared is that you know, there seems to be like this um, curiosity that led you, you know, from one thing into another. And then you were like, I'm just going to try to do this and pursue it. And that grew into something else. And then you did that for a while and that grew into something else. And so it seems like, um, you know, there's a snowball effect, at least in your narrative, in your story that led you to kind of where you are and how 12 plus came to be what it is. I think the question that I think about as I'm listening is, you know, that oftentimes like people see the issues around them. I mean, how many people live in Philly? So many, right? And they see these issues, but they have jobs, right? That they provide for their own or they have their own responsibilities. They don't think, let me reorient my whole life to take responsibility and do something that's not just good for me, for, but, but for someone else. And so what was that like for you? Like, right, what compelled you um, to at some point be like, you know what, this is not just gonna be a volunteer thing, but I'm gonna commit my life to this, my passion to this, my energy to it. And, and now it's a movement that's kind of really picked up and become something beautiful. And so what was it that kind of allowed you to think, you know, um, yeah, if not me, then who else? Like, I'm going to walk into it. 
Yeah, I think you know that that starts as far back as um, with my parents, right? My 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 parents are really important people within my life that have sacrificed uh, an incredible amount to get to me get me to where I am today, right? Like I talked a little bit about them working at the post office. That's that's brutal work, right? Like my mom you know, worked night shifts for 30 years of her life. My dad worked 12 hour shifts for 30 years of his life. They would stand on their feet just sorting mail every day. That's, that's as monotonous as it can get. And they did it because they wanted to make sure that uh, I was able to live again in a neighborhood where there was a great school available to me. And, and that was something that I feel personally very obviously grateful but and, and and blessed in many ways but also privileged to be a part of and and that's something that I just have have never forgotten that I did not choose to be my uh, my parents son right like I did not choose to live in northern Virginia that choice was made for me and because I lived in northern Virginia and because I lived in a neighborhood where there was a great school suddenly my life was kind of sent on this different really kind of um promising pathway and and sure i i certainly worked hard to some degree but there were a lot of opportunities and doors that were open for me to to take advantage of and to get to where i am right now right and i think back again to the sacrifice that my parents made and and how much um they did to ensure that i could have you know this this life that was easier for me than it was for them and and I just, I think from my experience of, of working within the communities in Philadelphia and, and being in that city and, and being, being in this city and being a part of these communities, I realized that it is just a fundamental injustice that um, for some of our students, just by the mere fact that they were born into North Philly or, you know, some of the different kinds of communities around Philadelphia, that they are not they just don't have access to the same resources or the same schools that i was that was made to me and and that was just this kind of inherent inequity that i just couldn't stand by and and let um occur um you know in perpetuity right and and i knew that what, what's the point of me being sent to this you know great college where i would have you know, a lot of opportunities presented to me to get this education and, and meet all these people who have tons of potential resources and, and have these really kind of important networks um, within, within their grasp and not do something that has real meaning to the communities that I really care about, right? And so it, it wasn't, I, I, don't, I don't know if there was anything specific that was like you know i i cannot you know sit back and and just let all of this happen but it is just the product of so much of of what i went through growing up of being my my um my parents son and child and and i just realized that i was really fortunate to have that right and i need to make sure that i devote my life to make sure that other people also have those same opportunities as well. Mm, that's awesome, man. Uh, one thing that I want to highlight that you said that I felt was maybe the the most important, you said you didn't really answer my question because I was looking for something specific and you gave me all this other stuff. But I think <laughs> the 
you did answer the question when you said that um, when you look back now, right, 12 Plus is this great nonprofit organization doing big work in the city of Philadelphia. But when you started volunteering with those 11 kids in 2010, you had no idea what 12 Plus was going to be. You just saw a need and decided that I'm going to try this thing. Uh, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what the step is after that. 10 years later, here you are. And maybe now you're starting to get an idea of where this organization is headed. You want to get into not just education, but moving into the employment world. Um, I feel like, I feel like for a lot of listeners and for myself, one of the biggest hindrances to actually acting upon the problems that we see is the fear of the unknown. Like I see this problem and I want to fix it and maybe I'll try, but I don't really know what's going to happen. And because of that, you don't even begin. But looking at your life over the course of 10 years, it's almost like every step that you took, every decision you made, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you weren't 100% sure what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. But because you were moving forward trying to solve the problems, you surrounded yourself with the right people and, and here you are. Um, like I said, that's probably one of the most powerful pieces of wisdom that I've gleaned from what you said. But are there, if I were to ask you for the value of our listeners and for myself, anybody who's kind of on the fence of, dude, I see all these problems. I, I know I should do something because it's affecting me. It's affecting my mm. family and my societies, but I'm stuck. Like, I kind of don't want to go. I kind of do. I, I don't know. I'm afraid, et cetera, et cetera. What would be some advice that you would give to somebody in that sort of situation right now? Yeah, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there throughout, throughout my experience, I have um, in many ways, just, just continue to learn year after year. And, and I've also realized that you can set your set for yourself, this plan that you have thought out and, and really, um, prepared in advance for and then you soon quickly realize that things are, are going to have to change you're going to have to adapt i mean that's just kind of the story of many people's lives and experiences and in, in working in any space but um i've also learned that there are so many people who are working to change their communities for the better right like they're, they're and but their work is not always witnessed or observed right like there are these acts of kindness that happen every day in in the the kind of the world that i'm in and the spaces that i I, I participate in and I, I get to see that. And I think those small acts are so powerful because the summation of them can really produce some incredible change within our, our neighborhoods. And, and my advice is that it doesn't always have to take much to make a difference in someone's lives, right? Like there are so many opportunities to produce change through both big and small acts from just little things like neighborhood cleanups to attending a protest for a cause you believe in or, even just like checking in on a friend. I mean, like it, I think sometimes people think that the way that they can create change means you have to do something so grand and drastic and it needs to happen all at once. And I think that you can just start small and see how that feels and keep building upon that day after day, right? Like when you get that first taste of, of doing something just truly amazing, right? And, and, and you are helping another person or, working to support your community, there is something really, there's an amazing feeling that comes from that. And I think you can build off of that um, to continue to do great things that produce impact in your society. 
Um, and so it seems scary, right? This idea of starting a nonprofit or going all in. But I think that if you start small and start and really kind of evaluate and reflect on on the importance of even that small act, you can you can start to build into the the path that you hopefully can you know follow down the line. Um, and I've seen it. You know, I've seen. I mean, that's what happened with me, right? We were just this volunteer-based group, right? And we helped um, a small number of students. And steadily, we realized that there was just more that we could do to support our schools and our students and our neighborhoods. And now, we, every year, we add more programs and more resources. And I realize further that this is possible, right? These are things that we can do to, to produce change. When I thought, when maybe five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago, I thought would have been wildly impossible. But you start to realize that as you go through that process and as you take those chances, both big and small, that not only do doors open for you, but you realize the possibility of what you can accomplish. And, and that I think is a, is a really powerful thing. But um, don't be in a rush, you know, like I, that's also maybe something I've learned. I, I thought, in the very beginning when we did make the decision to start a nonprofit, we'd be like this, like we would just blow up in, in the matter of, you know, a few months or even a few years. Um, that's not actually the way that you need to go about it. Right. Like you, no one, no one gets to define your success, right? You, you get to set, especially if it's, if it's your organization and you're working with some really amazing people, only you all really get to decide, what success looks like right and and that doesn't have to be this like crazy kind of explosive thing it can it, even if you are just working to help your neighborhood your one block right that's that's that in and of itself is still really powerful and and something worth celebrating right and so i i would say um to just start small you know to and and just take it from there love it, man Jay, did you want to say something? I was just going to say that, um, you know, the idea of starting small and um, continuing to explore that and building upon it, uh, that's just something I keep hearing over and over, you know, that for you, you know, that's, that's really what it was. You know, you just did something and you accomplished it and then you thought, oh, there's more that we could do here. And so um, I guess like my question, you know, maybe you could just share a little thoughts on it. It's like poverty is a huge huge issue and i absolutely agree with you that you know it's something that we as a society face that many people do and it's part of the reasons of why there's such a huge gap in so many different areas and so you know as you look at as you look at a mountain let's say right that looks so huge like what what could you say to our viewers to our listeners about um the perspective of being able to tackle that mountain like, is that thought, I'm yeah. going to tackle that mountain right away? Or is it like, I'm just going to focus on what's in front of me and pay attention to that and then see what we do? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that's a hard question to answer because I, I sometimes battle with that myself, right? Like, I, we started 12 Plus and we created the kind of program model that we did because we wanted to create sustainable long-term change, right? We didn't want to just work with the 10 best students of one school or another. We wanted to create environments and partner with schools so that collectively that school can move forward and 
and really be just a, an amazing place for everyone in future years to come. And that is like, that's a pretty ambitious thing to do, not just within one school, but in multiple schools as we are trying to do now. And, and I've also kind of realized that that doesn't, that also doesn't happen overnight. And, and so I think like you, you need to both celebrate just the small victories, right? Not to again, harp on that again, but to also preserve the long view, right? To know that these things that you're doing now, that you're accomplishing, that, um, that you are moving forward with, while it may not result in this kind of like big you know, society changing thing, it, it all adds up to something really great in the long term. Right? And as, as long as what you're doing is intentional and strategic and it is designed so that you can ultimately reach that maybe bigger goal, um, I think that that can be really helpful in your path. Like for me, again, like we have, we've gone through these years really making sure that we help every individual student. Right. And, and our hope again is to um, work with the schools so that they can be places where every student has some success after they graduate. And not always does that kind of change happen overnight. Right. And, and that is, that can be frustrating and, and sometimes dispiriting, but then still at the end of the day, you can't take away the fact that you still helped individuals on on a regular basis right like even if just one of our students goes on to pursue you know some you know great college education and eventually a job and 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 has been able to create opportunities for themselves that is still something worth celebrating right like that is still makes all the work still worthwhile and and i think that that provides me great comfort so while i have and i hope that what 12 plus can do is produce um, big transformative change within the city of Philadelphia and within our communities. I know that even if we maybe fall short of that on a, on a yearly basis, or even in the history of 12 plus, we've still helped people and that still matters. Right. And that still has real value. And, and I, I will always be proud of that. And it will never feel like time wasted. Right? Like when you were helping someone else in one way or another, that will never be time wasted. And, and I, I can live with that. And I know that I can proceed forward with that. And that gives me fire and, and motivation to keep going, regardless of whether or not we, we encounter setbacks, you know, one way or another. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. It's almost like <laughs> I was thinking about this, or I have to say it, but basically you have this big picture and then you have these small small things and we like everything else we create these false dichotomies right it has to be one or the other mm. um and i love the way you bridge the gap between the two where it's like you can't have both like you have to keep an eye on the big picture and strive yes. for big things but at yes. the same time it's those little successes step by step that not only should be celebrated but it gets you to the big picture but at the same time you don't want to dwell on those little successes, right? Like we succeeded, yeah. great, let's celebrate, but don't get stuck there. You have a bigger mountain ahead. And- 100%, 100%. Yeah, I think you painted that really well, man. Like the whole I think, picture- I think you did it better just now. 
<laughs> Good teamwork, um, man, Raymond. We thank you again for 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 your time. Um, I just kept thinking about your your parents sorting mail for thirty years. Yeah, and like you look at those individual the individual days of their lives, right? And if this isn't a perfect analogy for what we're talking about today, 12 hours a day doing this quote unquote menial work, but in those years of sorting mail, they, they raised you and out of their work and their sacrifice through you, they're affecting so many students in Philadelphia and next generations to come, man. I trust that yeah. these kids are going to be the ones that grow up and make an impact in their cities. And we're going to look back and be like, it's because your parents decide to sort mail for years and years <laughs> so that you could go to school and learn and have this opportunity. And the, we'll have you back on the podcast. Um, yeah. In man, years, you hear that. Yeah, man, Paul, I really appreciate you kind of just highlighting that because, you know, I may not have articulated that point perfectly well when you, when you previously asked me, but like, why did they do that? Right. Was it to send me to some great Ivy league school so that I can just go and make a lot of money and just live for myself or was it so that I could take advantage of that opportunity to go and provide the same um, possibilities for other people who don't have them, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to waste those 30 years of sacrifice that my parents put in by just going and living a life singularly for myself, where all I care about is just my own kind of personal wealth or my own personal ambition. That sacrifice should not go for naught. It should, it should be there so that I can take advantage of what was given to me so that I also can provide and potentially help other people to have that same opportunity too. And I want, I want my parents to understand that. And I, and I, I think that they do better now. It was, it was rough in the very beginning when you tell them that you're not going to go and be a doctor. You're going to go start a nonprofit, which to Koreans is like a curse word essentially. And so, you know, I, but I, I'm so thankful for what they have done and the position that they put me in to yeah. allow me the privilege and the honor to be able to pursue this work. Um, and and my, my one other thing is, as a Korean American, I know that it can be tough for us to pursue these paths that are maybe considered atypical or, or not um, what you would expect from you know, a first generation Asian American. But uh, I think that there is something powerful in being in spaces where I, where we're not, right? Like there are so few Asian Americans in the education space. We're probably the, of many, of, in many ways, the most underrepresented within that education space, much less any Asian American nonprofit leaders, right? And, and I think that that, while, you know, I'm not by any means like the, the, the best example of this um, or, or the only example, but I hope to be a example, an example within that space of someone who wants to be a leader within, within the education world and the nonprofit world, and, and also really dedicating their life to social impact. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, man, well, you're definitely an inspiration to us. And I trust that our audience hearing the story, you've inspired them as well, and maybe they're acting on it already. Um, in the meantime, though, I do want to uh, connect our people with 12 plus. I want them to be able to find out more about what 12 plus is doing, how they can support 12 plus. Um, maybe they can start their own nonprofit or volunteer in their own areas outside of Philadelphia as a result of this podcast. Raymond, where's a good place for people to find information on 12 plus and connect with you guys? 
Sure. I mean, you could go visit our website at www.12plus.org, 12plus.org, or you can follow us on Instagram at 12plus or on Facebook and Twitter at 12plusphilly. And um, yeah, I mean, just definitely reach out to us if you have any questions. I'm, I'm happy and always excited to talk to people who are, who are interested in being in the space and, and supporting our schools and our communities. Um, and thank you, Paul, for giving me this time to, to talk about our organization and a little bit about my story. And um, I do really feel um, just humbled and, and honored to be able to, to talk about the things that I've gone through. And, and, and I, I, I do really appreciate that time that, that you've given me and to you, JD, of course, as well. Oh, for sure, man. It was our honor. JD, you are a man of wisdom. So I'm going to leave this to you. Uh, any closing yeah. words before we wrap it up? Yeah, I just want to say, Paul um, and, and Raymond, that I, just, I, I feel like I walk away uh, really being inspired, right? Not to be overwhelmed by the mountains in front of us, but by taking the small chances, the small opportunities, and just being faithful to what we can do. Um, not having to worry too much about what's going to happen or how we're going to figure out the way, but just saying yes to what's in front. And thank you, Raymond, for doing that for all of those students. I think the, the crazy thing is that you're investing in their lives and you have no idea 10 years from now, 15 years from now, what their stories are gonna be and the impact that they're gonna have for someone else. And so the cumulative um, impact that, that comes through all of your work and your commitment is, is just really amazing. And I think it's a challenge to all of us, it's a challenge to me and uh, whatever ways that there are, you know, we don't have to figure out all of it or solve all of it, but we could just do what's in front and keep driving towards it and uh, maybe live a story that's similar to Raymond and to the work of 12 plus. Oh yeah. All right, everyone, you heard it here. 12 plus is going to expand across the United States into <laughs> international waters as well, changing the education system everywhere. We're calling it. <laughs> We're, calling We're calling it calling here. It. You heard it here first, September 1st, 2020. And everything <laughs> else is going to hell. 12 plus is going to rise and save the day. <laughs> All right, everyone. Raymond, thanks again for your time. JD, thanks for being here with us as well. And for everyone else, until next time.